Good morning, afternoon, or evening. We are delighted you're tuning in from wherever you are in the world. If you have a cell phone or any other electronic device, please make sure it's on. Yes, on, charged, and the volume is up. Please also take this time to locate your nearest exit and bathroom. Feel free to pause us at any time. We aren't going anywhere. That being said, sit back and relax. Take a walk, go to the gym, or do whatever satisfies you. And open your ears and minds to listen to Dressing Room Talk. Hello and welcome. This is Act One, Scene Two, Educated. Hi, everyone. We just wanted to start off quickly with this episode by telling you about how our weekly challenge is going. I'm a little behind. On the- I'm also a little behind. <laughs> this is not just a you thing. This is both of us. We all talked about what we were doing last week for our weekly challenges, and I did say that I wasn't extremely excited about the piano, which that is not why I'm behind. Life gets in the way. Yeah, I'm just working two jobs and this past week has been kind of crazy. I've realized that painting may not have been the best decision of my life for this challenge because there's prep work that needs to be done before I can sit and paint. And there's also quite a bit of cleanup. And I've been doing research on how to do different textures with what colors I want to use too. So although I am physically painting for about 15 minutes a day, it's taking me about an hour to an hour and a half to truly get everything ready to go, which I am really enjoying because I'm learning so much and I'm having a great time doing it. It's just more time consuming and sometimes it just hasn't been possible for a couple of days. I'm only two days behind and we're still going to finish this challenge and we're still going to share all of our results with you guys. That's just where we're at this week and we just got to accept it. Right, Michaela? Oh, yeah. I don't really have an excuse. I'm currently unemployed, so I don't really have an excuse. I think for me, it's something that I haven't done in so long. So it takes me a while to obviously figure out what letter note I'm playing in my left hand finger at the same time that I'm playing a chord with my right hand. You know, it's technique of playing piano that I don't really have that skill in my body anymore. So just taking this time to sit down and figure it all out and hopefully try to sing at the same time is just very difficult for me. So I'm hoping the more I do this, the easier it will get. But I am also having a really fun time, and I think it's okay that we're both behind because we have talked about this a lot, Grace and I. We don't want to be those people that force anything or, like, muscle through hobbies because we're technically flexing our creative minds, but we're also flexing a hobby. So I think it's important to understand that it's not about doing the hobby to, like, get the skill to be great at it. We're just doing it for us. And what I've learned, which we also wanted to talk with you about, is, like, what we're kind of taking away from this. And I think for me, I'm really, truly connecting with relaxation (laughs) when I practice the piano because it's mindless, but it's very focused. Like, I don't think about other things when I'm playing the piano. And that's really exciting because I'm an overthinker, like I mentioned last episode. So I'm finding that I'm this chill focused and then Throughout the rest of the day, I feel like I can obtain information and not feel as overwhelmed going to bed. And I think that's so important to have something like that in your life that is just satisfying. What about you, Grace? Most of the time when I'm painting or drawing, it is centered around designing costumes. And so I thought it was going to feel like work 
and it really does it and I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun learning more about painting because when I was in high school, I was of the mind that you just had to learn it yourself and that's how you become an artist. You just like do it, which is the worst mindset to have. Like research is so great. <laughs> I've been really having a lot of fun and learning a lot. And so I do highly suggest doing a challenge like this, even if you can't do it every day, like we haven't been able to. I do feel really good and I'm enjoying it. And I like the work that I'm doing. Like my tree doesn't look perfect or anything, but it looks very fun. <laughs> Guys, look on Instagram. It looks great. Grace is so talented. I'm just sitting here like, okay. But it's like, it's the research. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you're gaining a lot out of it as well. And guys, the offer to do it even this week is up for grabs in the next coming weeks. Like, please try to take this opportunity to do something like this and please share your progress because we want to know and we want to see all of the things that you're amazing at. Yeah, even if it's like years from now, we want to see your work. We kind of wanted to recap on what we finished with in episode one uh, last week. Grace and I talked about how we got into theater and our process, the years, you know, going up to high school, college. And I just wanted to finish off with kind of what my experience was like and what the decision process was like when I decided that theater was the degree that I wanted. Like I mentioned last episode, it wasn't until my junior year of high school when I started to consider the possibility of attending college for theater. And the thing is, no one ever told me to do that. I think it's very important to remember what you love and not listen to people if they agree or disagree. Like, of course, people agreeing with you is great, but there were so many people in my life, especially the last two years of my high school career, who were telling me not to do musical or even like consider a career in musical theater because it's a quote unquote crapshoot, which is not true. But obviously, when people think of the arts and jobs in the arts, there is always a sort of underlying judgment, right? Like, oh, you're not going to make a lot of money. Oh, it's more so a hobby. And I didn't feel that way. And, you know, I got into theater later in life. Um, it was in my life earlier on, but it was more so in my life later on in my high school career. I knew deep down that was the career. It wasn't just a hobby. It was something more than that. You know, I truly felt like I could express exactly who I was through theater and through being on stage and being under those lights. No one can judge you or that feeling. Nobody knows that feeling unless they know it, right? So I really stress, and Grace does, the fact that you have to do what you want, no matter if people agree or disagree, because it's like meeting that person or friend like Grace and I met. It's that connection with something that isn't forced or planned. You feel it and you have to run with it. Yep, follow your gut. Not your head. <laughs> yep, because your head will get in the way. Your gut will just pull you wherever it wants. Yes, that's so accurate. Mm -hmm. What a great analogy. Thank you. But Grace, please explain to us your process of getting into theater and looking into a degree program. Okay, so I think I briefly touched on this in the first episode. I did not think I would end up in theater at all. I was so single-minded in high school. I wanted to be a fashion designer. I'd always been designing clothing. And I did a lot of research to find the school that I went to for fashion, which was Kent State. They have a great fashion program. They have the coolest museum in their fashion department. In my first semester there, I realized I did not want to do this. 
I didn't like it. I didn't like that it was so individual. There isn't a lot of collaboration that happens. There is some, like you have a team, but designs are so coveted and you do so much of the work by yourself. And I didn't really realize that that's what I was missing until I started in theater. About halfway through my first semester, I realized I didn't want to do it. I started looking into other options and came up with a costume designer which was something I thought I might want to do. I just didn't know that it was in theater and I didn't know how to go about getting something like that. I talked to a couple professors and they sent me over to the theater department at Kent State, which they have a theater department. They have a grad program and an undergrad program. And I talked with them over there and I did switch my major, but I didn't feel like I was in the right place. And so after having a conversation with my mom, which my mom... (laughs) is so good at just like dropping an idea and being like, this might be hard to hear, drop. And then I'm like, yeah, she's right. (laughs) That's how it's going. So (laughs) she was like, well, are you sure you want to stay at Kent State? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. And so I started looking at other schools. I was going to Kent State. I was on a couple scholarships for the fashion department, but I was going out of state, which costs a lot more. And so... My mom suggested looking at in-state schools, and there are theater programs at most of the schools in Indiana, but I had no idea what I was looking for or what to look for or what to research. All I knew was that I wanted to be a costume designer, and I had to figure out what that was. So when I was doing research, I called a couple of the universities, but I didn't know a lot of the things that I should be looking for, and I didn't know who to ask. And so I called Ball State and I talked to the costume design professor at the time, who's Hyunsa Kim. She told me to apply and that there were interviews and that I should come for an interview. And so that's what I did. And as soon as I was there, I felt very comfortable. They talk about theater being so collaborative, which is so true. And I really enjoyed it. And then I think like the first week of classes, I had no idea what was going on. I'd never done theater before besides like middle school and they don't really do a lot there. So I think I cried my first week in one of my classes because I was so unsure about what theater was, but I was also so sure and emotional about that's where I was supposed to be. So that's kind of how I got into theater. But we wanted to talk about the research aspect of looking at schools and all of the different things that are required, that some schools require, some schools don't, but the things that you should be thinking on if you are interested in a position or career in theater. Yes. So I'm going to talk briefly about my research process. I truly didn't start researching until my senior year of high school. And mind you, I was very terrified. It's not that I didn't have anyone to help me. I mean, I had my mom. I also had my dad. My dad worked in financial aid at a university close to my home, which is the university I ended up going to. So I did understand the process of making a decision and researching. But as far as theater, musical theater, a BFA musical theater goes, I didn't have anyone (laughs) or any guidance on that. No offense to any of the people that were in my life at the time. We just didn't know much about it. You know, my mom is a voice teacher and she taught students at Fredonia that were musical theater majors. So I knew from that school what a BFA might be like. (laughs) But As far as private university goes or conservatory style programs go, I did not know what I was in for. The things I kept in mind when applying and considering schools were the cost. 
Um, the idea of scholarships, financial aid packets, a lot of what my dad does, shout out to him. And, you know, obviously the location of the school, how far away, how close it was to where I'm from. Making sure I had a pros and cons list for each school. So what are the goods about each school? What are the not so great things about each school? And then, of course, visiting the schools in person if possible. So, you know, possibly an overnight stay or a tour with a student specifically in my program. The number one most important thing, good golly gosh, (laughs) is listening to my gut. Let me say that one more time. Listening to my gut. Because at the end of the day... You need to listen to that voice. We mentioned it like five minutes ago, and I'm going to mention it again because it is your decision. And I understand that the cost and the application process, the location, all of these things factor in. Of course they do. But you need to be happy as well because, again, these are the next four years of your life. I'm sure you want to stay in the same place, right? Of course you can transfer, like look at what Grace did. Lots of people transfer. Lots of people transfer into different programs, of course. But you want to set yourself up feeling good in year one, no matter what the outcome is of year one. When I decided to look for a BFA, I really wanted a program that had voice lessons at least once a week because my number one skill as a musical theater actor is my voice. It's um, my singing voice and it's the strongest out of all of my skills. And as a musical theater actor, that needs to be very strong. I mean, when you're auditioning out there, that's the first thing that people usually see and hear out of you. And then the dance call usually comes after the singing slash acting portion of the audition. So I was really looking into a voice lesson. And then I never had taken an acting class before, and I needed a program that had consistent acting classes every year. So while I researched schools, I looked into both of these things. Kind of when I was applying, I didn't, and this is not to say that these people are bad or like they're not doing the right thing. I just didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to be that theater person who applied to 17 different programs and made my parents drive me and fly me everywhere. Like, that's a lot of money. (laughs) And I already had so much to pay for, like headshots and dance shoes and, you know, all of those necessities that an empty actor needs. We all know it. And it just wasn't possible for me to feel like I could focus on every single one of those auditions because it would be way too much to swallow. I needed a few schools to focus on and therefore focus more on the materials that I needed to prep for them so I could show up as my best self and put my all into every single one of those auditions. So I decided to stick to five schools, and they were programs I heard about and researched and liked. And I looked up the programs, and they were at most three slash four hours away from home. And for me personally, at 18, I was not ready to make the big move away from my family. At that time, I needed my family close as a safety net. One of the five schools was, of course, in my backyard. That was SUNY Fredonia. That is my alma mater now. Shout out to SUNY Fredonia. Um, I knew they had a great musical theater program and BFA. And if worse comes to worse, if I didn't get into any other program, I would try out Fredonia. So that was kind of my safety net. So, you know, I did the applying. And for a musical theater program, the application process is extreme. Um, It's not just about getting into the school, right? Like with your GPA, of course, you need to get into the school itself, but then you also need to get into the degree program. There is a video audition aspect of the application process before there is an actual in-person audition aspect of the application process. So you're kind of going through three application processes in one, or maybe just two if they don't want you to have a video audition for a musical theater program. 
And this was scary, guys. <laughs> this was kind of just starting six years ago when I started applying for schools. They were just starting that video aspect of the audition. And it's intense, you know, picking material and trying to, you know, just praying that you'll get through the video audition so you can even get in person. And, you know, I applied to three private universities. I was able to see people and audition in person at two. And it was very scary, but exhilarating at the same time. But also it it wasn't for me. And I felt very out of place. I felt very inexperienced um, trying to put myself out there for a conservatory style program. It felt very cookie cut out to me. It felt like they were leaving their programs with the same types of people. And I just didn't feel like I fit in, if that makes sense. You know, I'm a mezzo. I'm a belter. I'm a little bit ethnic looking. And I'm mostly an actor and a mover. So it just didn't really feel like there were other actors like that that were coming out of those programs. And I needed some one-on-one -on -one attention. You know, I needed faculty that could focus on me and my peers. And I didn't really feel like just being a number in a big school. I wanted to be a person. No offense to private schools. They are amazing. Please apply. Put yourself out there. They are also changing during these times, and it's so exciting. It's less about type now. It's more about what your brand is and who you are as an actor in person and fostering that throughout your four years and coming out who you are and what you do. And I'm super excited that we're starting to change the language in theater and more so go in that direction. During that time when I was 18, that is what I specifically needed. And now I feel good about my decision. I mean, I would never go back. You know, I wouldn't do it over. I think it was what Michaela at 18 needed. I still grew and I still honed in my skills and came out a great actor, a very talented singer and a mover. And that's all that I needed to be. So, Grace, please talk about your experience. Yeah, for sure. So I went to Ball State, Indiana. It's in Muncie. It's in the middle of the state. It is a really good school for theater, which I didn't know when I was looking up theater programs. I was just looking for a costume degree because I didn't know where it was. Well, I knew it was in theater, but I didn't know how to look for it when I was looking at programs. It's kind of hard on some of the websites to find more information about technical theater in general. But the Ball State Theater Program is it's huge. It's a huge program. They're spread across like five buildings throughout campus. And my graduating class, I think, was over 100 people, which is a lot for a theater program. Okay, so the way that Ball State works is they had these big audition days where people would come in. And there was one day where people already in the theater program could audition to be in the acting program or the musical theater program. And there were interviews for the tech. And so you would come and they would give you a tour of the school. You would do this big, very familial, happy warm up with everybody in the room. They would do a performance of one of their current students. And then you would kind of separate into groups depending on what you were doing. If you were auditioning for the acting program, if you were auditioning for the musical theater program, if you wanted to be a director, if you wanted to be a theater education student or go to, like I did, the interviews for all the technology. And you just kind of go in. I went in with a resume and some pictures of renderings that I'd done. And the whole design faculty is there and they're just kind of talking to you. And it was really about having a good fit 
if they thought that you would be a good student for their program and if you felt good. And I immediately felt really good there. And one of the upperclassmen, Megan, showed me around and I got to see the costume shop, which again, I didn't know what to look for either because I didn't know what costuming was and how it worked or anything like that. So once I was done there, I went home and I was like, I feel good about this and I think I'm going to do this school. It was really a blessing because I didn't know what I was looking for, but it was a really good program for me, especially since I had really good mentors. My favorite, Emily Boucher, it's actually her birthday today. I love her, but... Oh my God, happy birthday, Emily. I know, right? Grace loves you. I only know about you because of Grace. (laughs) But... She was a big inspiration for me while I was there. I loved working with her in the costume shop. I learned so much from her. And we still talk all of the time whenever we see something in either one of our shops. We'll like send pictures or gossip about something that we see that we both know what's happening kind of thing. So it's really great. And she's probably always going to be on my resume as one of my mentors just because we I worked with her for so long because there was a bit of a change happening in faculty at the time. So I kind of latched on to Emily as my mentor and I'm really grateful that she was there for me because I learned so much from her. But because of all of that, I ended up in the right place and I got to design right away and I got to do all of these things and there's a lot of programs where you don't get that many opportunities as an undergrad student and so I was really lucky especially since I didn't know what to look for. Be right back with more after this. Today we want to talk about like what you should look for and what we would have looked for if we knew the information we know now. First, we're going to talk about BFA versus BA. It's an interesting distinction because schools put so much pressure on you going into honors and taking all of the dual credit classes and Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff in high school. And they say it's going to help you so much in your future, but once you get to college... Nobody cares, really. No, literally nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Sorry to break like, it to you. Please work hard still. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's something that you love doing, then do it. Absolutely. Yes, but right. it's something to put on your resume, but it's mm-hmm. not something that everybody is like, oh, you were honors, therefore you are superior. That's not how it is, you know? Yes, correct. We just want to talk briefly about the BFA versus the BS versus the BA. Uh, The BFA is a very strict degree program and path to go. I mean, the BFA, I can attest, is the only thing that you do. I took 26 credits. Yes, 26 credits a semester. I had no life. And I mean, (laughs) the, which I'm still, I don't regret. I mean, I had the time of my life. I worked really hard. I got out of there with many skills, friends, and greatness, and all that talk. But I do want to stress that when you are in a BFA, you are in that BFA, girl and guy. You have to dedicate all of your time to it. I mean, it's your whole entire life. There's not much else you can do as far as classes goes. I mean, you can possibly double major. I know people who did have another major or minor. Major minor thing. Right. There were doubles, though. I don't know how they did it. Don't ask me how. But they would like. They would double up in dance, right? So they would do BFA oh, dance so, yeah. and BFA musical theater, which and I those understand. Classes they overlap. overlap right. So that's nice. Intense schedule 
and scheduling. Yeah. And you just have to know that when you're signing up for that. You will only be taking those kinds of classes unless you went to a state school like me and you have those required classes as well, like the core curriculum classes. Just to keep that in mind, that is a thing. And then as far as a BA goes, a BA is so much more flexible. If you have interest in anything else, any other major, a BA or a BS might be worth that looking might be into. Worth and there's some programs that offer a theater degree and you get to learn huge aspects of everything in theater and that's super great and then you can also double major in something else we had a lot of people in my program that were i believe it was creative theater degrees they would double up in other aspects because they wanted to be something like a playwright and so they would also do a creative writing oh that's degree. super cool Ball State had an amazing television and radio program, and so people would double up in those two. But most of those people were specifically a BA or a BS. The BFAs, their schedules were so tight and so planned out for them before they even came to the school. You knew exactly what you were taking every semester, even with your general education classes. There was very little room for you to do anything else, even to do something else in theater. You couldn't really be a musical theater major and a technician. Oh, there's you, no way. Mm -mm. Yeah. You could work in the shops if you had the skills. They would, of course, hire you. But it just isn't what my program offered. It wasn't a big general theater degree. It was you're going to focus on one thing and that's the thing you want to do. Also, if, you know, no matter what you decide on, a degree is a degree. And when you get out in the real world, no one cares. Nobody cares if there's an F in the middle of the B and the A. <laughs> I mean, it literally does not matter. So just keep that in mind, but also keep in mind to do exactly what you want to do. If you want freedom and flexibility, a BA is for you. But I do recommend that you talk to some professor, some faculty member at whatever school that you're planning on going to and ask them about the BA program because I feel as though BFA and BAs should still be considered for roles equally. They are still equals even if their degree programs are different and they deserve opportunities that are the same no matter what. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> I do know that in my program Part of being in the BFA as an actor, a musical theater artist, you were required to be in so many shows, whereas just being the BA, it wasn't part of your curriculum that you had to be in so many shows. And I know that was the big gap. But there were still a lot of people that weren't in the BFA that were in our shows because Ball State did a ton of shows. They yeah, did you guys 10. did like 10. It is 10. <laughs> yeah, we did 10 main stage shows that was supported by all the shops. And then we had wow. shows in the black box that were student run, student directed. And then we also had a bunch of different dance concerts that would go on in total. Every year there was about 32 shows that happened, but only 10 wow. were supported by the shops. It was crazy. Totally yeah, crazy. That? <laughs> yeah, but my resume was bomb when I left because of that. I put my hands on all of those shows because I worked in the costume shop. So I could put all of them on my resume. That's 40 main stage shows after four years. Yeah, what a great resume to leave with and yeah. go out into the real world. 
And that was something that I was very lucky about that I got all of those opportunities because I didn't know what to look for. But if you're interested in a technical degree, you should look to see how many shows you'll actually be putting your hands on because that's the experience. And so much of theater is the experience. You can only learn so much in the classroom when it comes to being an artist and working on a show because nothing truly matches the feeling of working on a show and going through a tech week and doing all of those things. So you should really, if you want to go into theater, no matter what part of theater, no matter what job, check and see how many opportunities you're going to have. Because I even had outside opportunities that were still at Ball State with the telecommunications department. And I did two films while I was at school as well as a designer, which also are on my resume. So it's all the things. Yeah, this goes exactly into what we wanted to talk about. If we could go back to our 18-year-old selves, there's so much that we would say to them, right? And talk them through what we would want in a degree program with what we know now. And I think for me, if I could go back, I would definitely look for a program that doesn't focus on type. That used to be a huge thing, but now we are shifting our language into kind of what your brand is, or this is a personal quote from Kate Lumpkin, a casting director in the city. She talks about what your personhood is, like what's your why, who you are, and what you bring to the table. I think that's just so important to not be in a program that's so cookie cut out. We only put chorus girls out there. We only put leading men out there. Like we are all very different kinds of people and therefore we are all very different kinds of actors that's fine and great. We need lots of actors out there with all kinds of skills and personalities. I think that's a big one for me. I also would absolutely go back and tell myself to get a program that offers musical theater dance classes, specifically beginner, as well as dance classes in every era pertaining to the style of musical theater. I mean, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, Fosse, 90s, early 2000s, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, these are huge ones, you guys. A program or a class or a course on mental wellness for performers. You know, this course that focuses on fostering the skills on how to take care of yourself as a whole, mentally, emotionally, physically, vocally. Being a performer is a huge decision to make. And with that decision comes sacrifices and you have to take care of your mind. Your mind rules who you are and what you do. And if you're not paying attention to it, especially in those four years, it's not good. You need that. You need thick skin. You need a great mentality because any part of this career is very difficult on your body. Everybody's body is their instrument in this. Then just a few more, a program that has class or course on vocal health and nutrition. I think it's important to have a healthy relationship with your body and know how to take care of your voice, especially when your voice is your instrument and knowing all of the parts to that and your vocal folds and how to take care of it and what to do if you feel sick. Should you sing, you know, a four- weekend show if you feel sick, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, It would be awesome to learn how the voice works being singers and knowing, you know, what workouts and stretching to do that can help you and not hurt you and understand how to properly fuel yourself when you're going in class and then going from classes all day right into rehearsal. Because that's what I would do. I'd wake up at 7.45 a.m. to get to 8 a.m. ballet, right? Oh, 8 a.m. ballet. Don't miss it. And I would go all day long until about 5. And then at 6, I would have rehearsal. 
And then I would have rehearsal six to nine. And it's like, okay, vocal, mental, emotional, physical health, where is that all playing in? I wasn't very good at it, but I think if we had those courses, it would just be better for me (laughs) and everybody if we knew how to take care of ourselves. So those are just a few that I have. What about you, Grace? My list is kind of more specific to technical degrees. And a lot of these are my opinion, but also things that I think everybody should think about if they're going into a technical degree in theater. The first one, kind of going back over how important having opportunities in school to do is to go to an undergrad-only university. So a lot of schools have an undergrad and graduate program. And the thing that you have to know about going as an undergrad student to one that has a grad program is that the grad students are going to get first pick. They're the ones that are further along in their career, and they're the ones that are learning certain things that are super specific and have to do things. It's kind of like a seniority thing. If you're okay with that, if you feel like you aren't ready to start designing anytime soon or you really learn best from watching others, then that might be a good program for you. But that was one of the things that Ball State was really proud of was that they were an undergrad only program. And I got to design my second semester, my freshman year, I designed a dance piece and a dance concert. There are very few programs that let you design that early. And it was really exciting for me. And I got to design every single year that I was there. Most of the time, I would design two semesters as well. So there was so much opportunity for me because I wasn't competing with a grad student. The next thing on my list is specialized classes. This was one of the things that fell a little short at my program, but luckily, I have a lot of experience in sewing, and so I was fairly confident, and I still learned a lot working in the costume shop, but there weren't a lot of sewing classes for me to take, and there was only two design classes for costuming, and so a lot of the time I made my own classes through independent studies, and that's one of the things that if you're going to a BFA, that should have a lot more of those classes because they're more specific. But I would have loved to have learned more about cutting and draping while I was there. And so I created those classes with my mentor, but it's something to look at because if you are only interested in one aspect of design like I am, then I really only want to learn things in that specification. That was one of the things that I had. And also, what kind of classes can you create for yourself? I did an independent study, I think two semesters while I was there, and I built these period dresses, and I got credit for those as a class. Those were really great, and I learned so much doing those, and it was really great that I could set up those courses. So if the program doesn't necessarily have a class you want to learn about, see if it's possible for you to work with one of the professors to have that class. The next one was having to take business classes or entrepreneurial classes because being a designer, if you're a freelancer, it's essentially owning your own business and you have to understand what that means, especially when tax season comes. So that was something that I wish I had learned more about and something that when I go to grad school is something I'm really hoping that I'll be able to do there. And then my number one thing is you need to connect with your mentor. I just went to Ball State 
and was like, okay, this is where I'm going to be. And I didn't necessarily know if I really connected with the person that was supposed to be my mentor, which I did have a good relationship with her, but I had a much stronger relationship with Emily. She became my mentor. I was really lucky to find that super great connection. But if you're going to be learning from somebody, you need to have a good connection with them. Even if it isn't necessarily the best connection, you need to be able to learn from them and respect their work. I know Erin down in Memphis, her and her mentor had a good relationship, but it isn't the same kind of relationship that I had with my mentor. Her mentor was somebody that could be a little more aggressive but Aaron responded okay to that and worked well with that. And so she is close with her mentor still, but it's just a different relationship. And that worked for them. Whereas Emily and I were much more like friendly and it was a lot of like laughter that was involved and late nights working on a show. And I ask so many questions. So those were the things. And you really want to connect with your mentor. If the person you're going to be learning from you don't respect them, then you're not going to respect what they teach you. Those are my nuggets of wisdom that I have. <laughs> yes, nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> no, I agree. I just have a few more. So I'm just going to really quickly finish off. I agree with Grace about a business, business of theater classes, especially for actors. You need to understand that as an actor, you are your own business and you need to know how to market yourself post undergrad. And just having a class that covers that, like website building, resumes and cover letters, financial planning, how to do your taxes. Oh, my God. I just learned that. Interview skills. All of these important little things that don't seem that important, but are extremely important, especially now. Think about how everything is virtual right now. The only way that people can look you up and find you is through your website, is through your social media branding, you know, your resume, your cover letter, all that kind of stuff. So business of theater class, I think you need at least two semesters of a business of theater class because it's just so incredibly important for actors and everybody in the theater world. I think more than five faculty members is key. I think only having a few faculty members and them being your directors is great, but I would prefer more faculty members because I do have a mentor. Her name is Jessica Hillman McCord. She's awesome. But I would have liked to connect more with different faculty members, and I think it's important to have a lot. Obviously, in accepting student body culture and environment, a program that's known for being friendly and connected with their alumni, I think a family-like atmosphere, not a cutthroat environment where people compare one another and compete against one another is key. A diverse program, successful alumni who possibly come back and direct a show, I think that would be awesome to go to a program like that. And obviously, a program committed to equitable opportunities for all artists, committed to sitting down and being vulnerable and willing to have the tough conversations and follow through by doing the work. Just a program that encompasses all of these such important things, especially this is my number one. You're going to be a little shocked, Grace. Give it to me. A program that makes you take tech classes. Hey. I, I'm not joking with all of you. You know, like all of these I said, obviously, are extremely important. But I'm telling you, this is my number one because it's so incredibly important to be a well-versed actor and know what the heck these amazing people are doing behind the curtain. Aww. You should know. 
It's, it's so true. I mean, you should at least be taking two. It doesn't have to be a class that's each semester, but you should be learning the basic skills of what those people do. It's essential. And it helps you get jobs post-undergrad. That's literally how I got my job at Playhouse, also the job that Grace got at Playhouse, the contract that we met at as I was leaving. She was coming in. Hey, they Playhouse. made me. Playhouse, shout out. <laughs> they were like, costume chopper, um, scene chop. And I was like, oh, costume chop. <laughs> and then I did that, and it was very exciting to be relearning that skill, but also know that I had a semester of it in college, so I wasn't going in completely in the unknown. I think it's just so important to have all these kinds of skills going out there. Again, it helps you get jobs. You'd be surprised. Grace can attest to that, too. Oh, yeah. It's great skill to have. <laughs> Sewing? Highly suggest. Yeah, I'm not good that skill. great. But, well, I mean, it's nice for personal use, sewing on buttons, hemming things. It's nice to have those skills just in general. Being able to be diverse, there's a lot of theater companies that if you get hired with them, especially internships where they expect you to work in the tech shops, which is a good thing and a bad thing. For the most part, it's a great skill to have. And it's also a way for you to make money when you're mm -hmm. out while you're auditioning. You're still working in theater, you're making connections with people in theater, but you have a skill. And I know an actor where he learned lighting stuff at Playhouse and now he does lighting gigs. We had a couple actors that worked in the costume shop at Ball State and I don't know if they're using them, but I'm sure that it is a useful skill to have. There's also the idea like if you really hate doing something, Maybe don't do it because there was definitely some people that I met that were in some of the shops and they were like, I, this is not, mm -mm. and that's okay. You tried. It's like what we were talking about last week that just because you end up not liking something doesn't mean it isn't a nice skill to have as well. Absolutely. And just remembering that these were our personal journeys. This is what we needed. There is no right or wrong decision. It's what's best for you. It will be hard to do. I still have a hard time doing it at 24. It will be extremely hard to not compare yourself to other people especially when considering a college degree and a program. And I really had to talk it out and talk it through to myself and the people that cared for me and my well-being. And I had to journal and ask myself, was this a hobby that I really loved that I just picked up or was this my future? You know, it's a big decision. And making the decision to even put yourself out there and apply for any kind of degree, let alone a musical theater degree, a costume design degree, tech degree in theater is extremely brave. You are extremely brave. I don't care how many programs you get into or you don't get into. It's about what you need and want out of the next four years of your life. And you have to listen to your intuition, that gut talk. Tammy Johnson Holt, she is a wonderful musician from Playhouse on the Square. Grace knows her as well. Hey. Tammy Johnson Holt told me that you have to connect with that voice. And I like never knew what that meant. And I finally am starting to listen to my gut. And it's just so important to please yourself and not try to please everybody else. That's all I have to say. Let's continue. How do you feel, Grace? I'm feeling pretty good. The other thing that I wanted to say was that the head of our department, every time there was an audition day, what he would say to people, which I think is such a true statement because it's a really hard business to be in. There's a lot of rejection and you have to work really hard. You have to have a real passion for it. But he would say, if you want to do anything else, 
any other interests, anything else makes you happy, go do it because yeah, this is it. hard. Please do And it. if you're split, then you're not going to make it. This has to be it. This has to be all you want to do. The other idea is that there are so many jobs in theater. We're going to be posting a list yes. of how many jobs there are. There are so many. Even if it isn't musical theater or technical theater or design or anything like that, there's still so many other important jobs in theater where if, if theater is something you love, but maybe you have a really good business mind or you are more interested in photography or doing other things, there's probably a position for you in theater if you just want to stay in the world. Yes. And Grace, what are the things that you recommend for sure going into a kind of program like this? I think that going into any kind of technical theater, whether that is in direction, design, or being a technician or being somebody backstage, I think one of the most important skills that you have to have is you have to be able to problem solve. It doesn't matter what your process of problem solving is, there's going to be so many times where somebody's going to come up to you and say, well, this happened, and you're going to have to come up with a good solution to that. And so being able to problem solve, it makes life easier. If you can do it fast, that's super great because tech week is insane and you have to do things so quickly. You only have one week to have all of the technical aspects working properly. All of the costumes have to fit right. All of the sound has to sound good. All of the lights have to turn on when they're supposed to. It's a lot and it's all put on you in one week and you're working late nights and you're getting up early in the morning to work on things. So you have to be able to problem solve and you have to have a passion for that. Yeah, I really recommend not taking things personally. I spent so much time taking small, constructive criticism from a friend or from a professor way too personally. And that was a mistake. And that comes down to mental health and how you feel about yourself and loving yourself. And we obviously stress the importance of that, especially going, you know, in life, in any degree program you do or not do. And also knowing rejection. I have been rejected more than I can even explain in this point at my, of my life in my career. And I think it's important to honestly expect that and be like, OK, I'm putting myself out there today in this audition and it's probably not going to happen. You know, you need that healthy mindset with rejection and obviously taking rejection, not personally, because that's part of the business. I had a professor, Ted Sharon. He said for every 100 auditions, 100, expect a few callbacks and a job, maybe a job. 100 auditions, y'all. Yeah. And I remember when you were in New York, New York, you were doing auditions and you were leaving them. And why it felt good was because you knew you were doing your best work mm -hmm. also. So like doing your best work, if you get rejected still, that just means you weren't meant for the role and that's okay. There will be a role for you eventually. You just yes. have to keep trying. If you aren't doing your best work, then how do you expect people to want to work with you? Right. And sometimes doing your best work is not waking up at 4 a.m. every day to get in line to go to an audition. That means taking a bath, sleeping in. You know, you have to do what's best for you because this career is longevity. I don't care what part of this career you're in, costume design, tech design, lighting design, sound design, actor, performer, musician. It's about longevity and you need to set yourself up for that and not burn out because this is a business where you can easily burn out in the first year after school. So easy. Yeah. I know people that burned out in school and they would take a year off because they were like, I just need to breathe for a year <laughs> before <laughs> yeah. I get back into it. And I'm like, you do what you got to do. 
Yes. You do it because <laughs> Playhouse is a great, very fun internship. Yes. But you do 20 shows in that season. Oh my gosh, it's crazy, guys. <laughs> and you can feel burnt out. And I know a couple interns were like, okay, I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to come back because I need to take care of myself for a minute. If that's what you need to do, you need to trust yourself and do it because otherwise you're never going to be putting your best work out there. Absolutely. So like we said, we'll be sharing a list of all the possible jobs that you can have in the theater world on our social media. And if we missed any, please let us know. We took yes, a long please. time to make that list. We, w- but... we went through multiple other people's lists and we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this one. Like, so <laughs> we sincerely apologize if we yeah, missed you. Yeah, we're sorry you, if we missed but you. there's so many jobs. There's so someone many. I don't know who it is I can't think of the person but someone says it takes a village I think it's Maggie Barra Maggie Barra also shouted to her she has a great podcast as well her line is it takes a village and guys it freaking takes a village it takes a village just to do like one small aspect of theater like oh, just yes. the design team itself is its own village and then there's the performers and then there's the musicians and then yeah. there's all of the people doing ticket sales and managing the audiences and producing everything, making sure we have the rights to everything, hiring people. Like it's insane because all of them are a special skill that it's part of theater. Yeah. We were actually going to make a list that was kind of laying out all kinds of programs relating to our specific concentrations, but we decided that being a high school student in 2020, if you research college musical theater programs in Google, you are going to get resources like no other. I mean, there are so many websites. CollegeMTGuide.com shares a huge list of musical theater programs that link their website right specifically to the name, like the theater program website right on the name that you can just click on it and look. I mean, guys, it's super simple. So we decided we weren't going to do that for you because there are already so many incredible resources that people have made so please look on those grace i know you had one that you said theater trip it's very similar it gives you a list of all of the schools each one is a link to the website so you can just see everything it's so nice the one other thing that we wanted to mention was that being in an art program your high school gpa matters but not as much as your work ethic and Mm -hmm. your art because there's a lot of people that are in high schools and stuff that just don't have a passion for the other things that they're learning I know that when I was in school I I'm dyslexic so reading is not a strength of mine although I did okay in those classes my GPA was not super strong going into college unlike some of the other programs I think art programs are more willing to accept a lower GPA and lower scores, but you have to make up for that in your work ethic and your art. You have to be practicing and showing all of the work that you've been doing. And we just wanted to say that because it can be hard looking at schools knowing that you have a low GPA or a low test score. You might be looking at a school and saying, well, I'm never going to get into that school. And that isn't necessarily true because although my GPA in high school was low, I graduated with like a 3.6 something from college, which is a really good GPA. Yes, so, Grace. Thank you. <laughs> so once you start learning the things that you actually want to learn when you're in your program, it's a lot easier to get good grades because you want to learn about it. Even when I was taking some of the theater classes where I didn't have as much interest in it, 
I still did a good job in those classes because it was still about what I wanted to do, which just makes it so much easier to learn. Yeah. And we also wanted to end this conversation by just making a note that if you don't know what you want to do career wise in high school, in your senior year of high school, you don't know. And everyone puts the pressure of saying, oh, hey, you should know what you want to do for the rest of your life at 18. And I'm telling you right now, they are wrong. Time is on your side. Society puts pressure on the idea of what time means. And you don't need to have your whole life figured out by 18 and Absolutely married by not. 25 and have children by 30. <laughs> like, oh please God. don't have kids too soon. You know, I'm sorry. You have plenty of time to do the things that you want to do in your life. Go at your own pace. You are not late. I've spent so much time harping on myself that I'm late to everything. I've wasted time being insecure about like a flawed societal pressure that not doing something since I was five years old means I'm quote unquote late. And that is incorrect. And fun fact, really quickly, a little science fact for you. The frontal lobe, the part of the brain that is responsible for language and memory and motor functions and judgment and problem solving, does not form in a human brain until they're 25 years old. Let me tell you right now, the only people's whose frontal lobes are fully there is Grace right now on this podcast. <laughs> Hey, I got a full frontal lobe. <laughs> She's the only one who I think can attest to knowing how to problem solve. Well, I do try. You I do guess. try, right. Um. So what I'm saying is when making any kinds of decisions, especially a big decision like college, it can feel very life or death. It can feel so incredibly difficult to be set on a university to set you up for the next four years. And you have to realize that it's not that deep. You can change your mind. You can transfer. You can take a gap year. You can figure out your stuff. There's no rush to begin your life. Do what's right for you. And again, do what you like. Life is too short to hate what you do. Do exactly. what you love. And you can find more on the frontal lobe on imperialmindset.com. They have a great article and resources about that. I was super interested uh, this week when I was looking up, you know, teenagers and deciding on college. And the frontal lobe was mentioned a lot. And I was like, this seems important. So I think it is. You have to keep in mind it's not life or death. Just do what you love, please. Right, Grace? Yeah. And the other thing is, is so many schools pressure students to go to college. High schools do that all the time. They want all of their kids to go to college. There are so many careers that are a trade school and you can do so well in those jobs. I got my cosmetology license while I was a senior in high school. I cannot tell you how useful that license has been in theater, but also right now there's a pandemic happening hmm. and I can't work in my career field. Right. So I'm working as a hairstylist right now. I'm making good money and it's not about having the degree all the time. It's about yep. doing something that you enjoy. And if that's doing hair or being a plumber or being a carpenter, there's yes. so many other jobs. I feel like schools don't teach you about those because they want you to go to college. And right. if you don't feel like college is right for you, college isn't right for you. Exactly. Or maybe yeah, it's not right for gut. you right now. Right. And that's exactly. okay. You have your whole life to figure it out. I love what you said, Grace. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So the next episode, I guess we'll finish with this, is called Hustling. And we're going to be talking about that post-education life that we're currently in <laughs> and figuring out how to hustle. But obviously, like we said in our teaser, in a healthy way. Hey, Grace, <laughs> tell them about our social medias that they can connect with us on. Please. 
You can email us at askmg at puddledropmedia.com. Please, please share your work on Instagram and tag us. We are at Dressing Room Talk Pod. And please follow us on Facebook and comment on all of the questions that we're asking, anything that we're doing. Share everything. We want to know everything. Please, please, please come like us on Facebook at Dressing Room Talk Podcast. And we will be sharing additional information about our next episodes our guests that will be coming on soon-ish, and everything that's happening in our lives. So please join us. Grace is very passionate about connecting and us connecting with you. So yes, please, guys, please talk to us, email us, tell us what content you want. We are happy to bring on guests and share all the things that you need. We are your resources. That's it. And a huge shout out to Jim Lasher at Puddle Drop Media, our production team. You are the best. And I'm Michaela. And I'm Grace. And this, and this is, is Dressing, Dressing Room, Room Talk. Talk.